On the 25th of July, 1993, while we were sitting in a church service in Cape Town, South Africa, there was all of a sudden a noise at the front door of the church, and terrorists stepped in with automatic rifles and hand grenades. They uh, lobbed the grenades into the congregation of about a thousand people, and they opened up fire with their automatic rifles. This, as you can imagine, caused absolute chaos in the church. Um, they murdered 11 people and over 50 were injured. I returned fire at the attackers. They fled. I didn't realize at the time, but I'd hit one of them with one of my rounds and his blood got onto the seats of the getaway car and he was later arrested by the police. To cut a long story short, I had to appear in the High Court in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, to um, stand, uh, not, I wasn't standing trial, I had to uh, stand and, and uh, tell them what happened in the church. And after the trial, I reached out to the terrorist organization, the Azanian People's Liberation Army. I wanted to meet the attackers at the church. And so got in touch with one of their commanders, Letlapa Mpachlele, and he took me to prison to go meet uh, Kaya Makoma, one of the young men that was hit by my round. And uh, in the prison, we had an amicable time speaking to each other. And Kaya said to me, Charles, I'm going to go to heaven because I've been fighting for a just cause. And I said to him, Kaya, but the Bible tells us that we saved by the grace of God through faith, not by any works. The grace comes from God. Faith is a gift from God. There's nothing we can do to work our way into heaven. And besides that, most people think that you can get saved by good works. What you did was evil and wicked. It's not good works. And so you're not going to heaven. You're going to be going to hell until you come to faith in Christ and repent of your sin. So this is news to him. He had been following a revolutionary uh, theology which uh, taught this. We called it black theology. You found it in Africa and also in South America. Moving on from there, I was having a time of chatting with Letlapa the commander of the attackers of our church. Letlapa tells me the story that he used to be a Christian, the commander of the terrorist organization. He wasn't just a pew warmer. He said he did door-to-door -door evangelism. This man knows the gospel. And as he went around uh, doing this, he eventually said, my people were suffering. They were suffering politically. They're suffering economically. And the Bible has got nothing to say about politics and economics. So I started reading Marx and Engels. That obviously brought to a great discussion on the gospel of the kingdom of God, but I also had to give him some eschatology before we left on that specific time of chatting to each other. And I said to him, Letlapa, everything you stand for, all your communism, your Stalinism, everything you're working towards, all your goals, everything's going to come to nothing because we Christians are going to rule here on earth now in history. We're going to win. And he looked very seriously at me and we, we parted ways. Now, you might have heard very often people speak of the gospel of salvation, which is the message of salvation through God's son, Jesus Christ. He was born, crucified, 
resurrected uh, for the salvation of man from sin. And we hear the message, this wonderful, amazing message of God's grace all over Africa. But the, God's, the, the Bible does speak to us about the gospel of the kingdom of God, which is the comprehensive application of God's word to every area of life. As Joel says from Genesis 1-1 through to the Revelation 22 verse 21. And then the definition for missiology is just the study of Christian missions. And so as we um, go through scripture, one of the main scriptures missionaries look to is Matthew 28, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we, we see the gospel being spread in Africa fantastically. It's amazing to see many people coming to faith in Christ all over the continent. We're very excited about what's happening in Africa. But we do often leave out this idea of the authority of Jesus Christ from the gospel message. We also leave out the idea of making disciples of all nations and not just individuals. And so we often see a very shallow gospel message in Africa. We have young boys that I work with. We call ourselves Soldiers for Christ. They're in a squatter camp in an informal settlement near Cape Town. And we have to bring discipline into their lives. That is a gospel issue. So those who come late to the meeting have to do press-ups. And uh, they really struggle to do that. But anyway, we, we make them do press-ups. And at our Soldiers for Christ ministry, with these young boys, they live in shacks, tin shacks, dirt roads, filth and squalor everywhere, um, often have filth just going down the gutters, um, uh, and terrible, terrible area to live in. But we expect loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage when we serve King Jesus. And we will not allow the fact that they living in terrible circumstances or in, being born in terrible circumstances take away the authority of Christ and his work that's happening in that area. It's a tough area. Some of the youngsters are, uh, live uh, hectic lives. One of the former young Soldiers for Christ boys is in prison for murder. Another young boy was attacked by somebody with a knife. He managed to disarm the attacker and then beat him senseless. Uh, the attacker got to the police first and they had charges of assault against the young soldier for Christ man. And so he was in trouble with the law. In Africa we say whoever gets to the police station first is the correct person. He has got the right story. So tough area to work in. And then because we have this chaos, the crime that's going on in the country, and particularly because of what the gospel teaches us, we teach people to stand for righteousness and truth, to protect their families, and to arm themselves, if necessary, to do that. We have police brutality that goes on unchecked in our country for the most part. Uh, one of my young boys was beaten up by the police right in front of me on one occasion. Um, and at the end of the day, we're dealing with Nelson Mandela's uh, African National Congress government, 
And we've got to put it straight. They are not God's servant to do us good. They're an evil, wicked force that needs to be resisted. And to deal with all this chaos in our country, the crime, the economic uh, collapse, um, the justice system that doesn't work, we teach the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, thanks to Pastor Matt Truella and Bishop of Souls, uh, Ron Kronz's organization, where we managed to print books and hand it out in t into, uh, or put it into the hands of the leaders in the country. And I heard a great story from a, a pastor in South Africa who is also a lawyer. He said that the governments wanted to start a church registration process in South Africa. He said, so he had handed out these books of Pastor Matt, and some of the pastors took these books and went to the first meeting. During the meeting, they were offered money to register their churches with the government. We will financially support, from the taxes of the country, we will support your churches. Well, apparently, pastors stood up with the Pastor Matt's book in their hand and quoted from chapters in the book and spoke to the the local authorities about that and said this, under no circumstances will we accept any money from you and none of us will ever re register our churches. You are evil people. You are outside of your biblical jurisdiction. And these are poor pastors. These are not pastors that have jets as their means of transport around Africa. Um, and to have done that is just absolutely amazing. In 2 Kings 23, verse 6, we read of King Josiah, who brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron, and burned it at the brook Kidron, and beat it to dust, and cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people. Now, many of us would read this and say, well, this is just history. None of us must ever do anything like this anymore today. Uh, it's just, um, in fact, this might not even be part of the gospel. That's how many of us would think in Africa but not my colleague Cosmo in Zimbabwe. He wrote to me and said, I've seen a few weird incidents happening under this tree. Last night I saw ladies showering under this tree. I ran to get my camera and when I got back they were gone. He's talking about witchcraft. A few days ago one of the government officials was seen under this tree at midnight. He said that he was told that a big snake lives in this tree. And then he said to me, I know why they're saying that. They want me to be scared of the tree. He says, but this tree is right outside the gate of our mission base, and we will not stand for this anymore. So Cosmo went and cut down the tree that was being used for witchcraft and ancestral worship. He cut it down, and then just to make sure he burnt all the branches. Then he burnt all the clothes that were left under the tree for the, for the worship service. And their pots. Burnt everything to smithereens. I think this is one of the best gospel outreaches I've ever heard of. I was so proud of Cosmo. But the impact um, and the idea of there being a snake in the tree is what people would use. Uh, the great connotation of snakes in, in witchcraft. And so they're warning Cosmo about this. I kid you not, within days after Cosmo burnt the tree down, he was bitten by a snake, he was attacked by a snake. Luckily, by God's grace, not luckily, by God's grace, he had boots on. 
And so the poison couldn't get through to his leg. But if that snake had injured Cosmo or had killed him, we, might, we would have had to close our mission base down because those people around there would have argued that the god of the witchcraft of the ancestors is greater than the god of the Christians. But by God's grace, we could carry on with the work in that area. Ron Kranz can also tell you stories of that in Africa. So a very practical gospel outreach by Cosmo on that. Another friend of mine was traveling in Malawi and a pastor came to him and said, I have a lot of debt, business debt. I'd borrowed money from a businessman and he wants the money back now and I don't have it. Can you please give me the money, Mr. Missionary, to pay my debt? And my colleague said to him, I can give you that money. In fact, it's going to make no difference to my life whatsoever if I give you the money to pay back the debt. But the whole community is going to know that the missionary from America paid the pastor's debt. He said, you need to go to the businessman and you need to offer your services for you and your son to work in his fields until you've paid him off. So my friend, a colleague, came back to South Africa and he received a letter from the pastor. Only stated three things. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. That's a great gospel opportunity to the whole community in seeing how God's word should be applied in our daily lives. I was speaking to the, uh, one of the presidential advisors to the president of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and we were discussing th uh, three bishops, he's a bishop too, and uh, we were around the table at a hotel speaking together, and we were talking about the tra tragic circumstances in the prisons in the Congo. And I said to him, it's very well known that people are dying from malnutrition and disease in your prisons. This is tragic. I said, I have a win-win idea for you to consider. He said, please tell me. I said, what if the prisoners could have their families come and pay an amount of restitution to the victims of their crime, not to the government, to the victims of their crime, and then the prisoner gets handed over to his family. He leaves the prison. So the prisoner wins, the family wins, the government doesn't have to look after them in the prisons anymore or provide anything for him for, uh, against malnutrition or, uh, or food and medicines for them. So it's a complete win-win situation. And he said, um, they, they sat and they thought of it and they said, but but what happens if that prisoner runs away after he's been handed back to the family? And I said, what do you think will happen to the prisoner that runs away from his family when he's indebted to them? And they all burst out around the table, burst out laughing, because they all knew what was going to happen, which you can't say in good company. <laughs> he also said, this is a great idea. He said, where did you get this great idea from? We really seriously have to consider this and look into this more. I said, this is a biblical idea. I got it from the Bible. Uh, Joel and I were in Zimbabwe sitting around the table. We were sitting with the chief of the area, the head man uh, of this particular area. They've got massive minerals uh, under the ground. They don't have the capital or the expertise or the skills to do anything about it. And so he asked us, can you, can you please find capitalists
to come in that can bring the capital in with the expertise and come help us mine in this area. And this is, this is a big challenge in Africa, uh, where we don't have the, the skills to deal with uh, all the blessings God's given us under the ground. And I explained to this man that your people lie, cheat, and steal all the time. I said, capitalists didn't have their money fall out of the sky. They worked hard. They got loans from the banks. They had to put their houses down as security for the loans from the banks. They put their houses on the line. They worked uh, 80 to 100 hours a week to build up their companies and to, to uh, provide for their families and to save up to have the funds that they have. They don't want to come into an area where people lie, cheat, and steal all the time. I said, no, but no capitalist is right. Mine's going to come and bring any money into your area. Until your people become faithful people, they stop their lying, cheating, and stealing, then they might consider it. I said, the risk is too high. And then if your people aren't lying, cheating, and stealing, then your government's going to come steal the capital from them. I said, this is a, this is a lose-lose situation. But there again was a massive gospel opportunity to explain biblical economics. We teach the idea of uh, standing in the gap, standing up for righteousness and truth among our people. Um, our youngsters there um, had a murderer staying amongst them in the, in, the, uh, in the informal settlement. And they decided, we need to get rid of this man. He said, we can't have this anymore. And when they went into his hut, they found a bloodied shirt. He had been caught on camera dragging a corpse uh, in, on, on farmlands, in farmlands close by. And so they phoned the police, and when they phoned the police, this man tried to run away. So they ran after him, they captured him, and unfortunately these things happen. When your justice system doesn't operate, the community takes the law into their own hands. And this is happening all over South Africa now. Somebody steals a car radio and he gets killed by the community. And nobody can be arrested because the whole community takes responsibility. They can't um, uh, come and arrest 1,000 people. And so as your justice system deteriorates, you see people start doing really strange things. And so in this area, they took his shack to pieces. They said, we're not going to have a murderer living among us. And just for good measure, they petrol bombed his car and burnt the car out as well. So if we lack the gospel content to train and teach people in righteousness and truth and justice and all these areas, we have chaos on our hands. Well, many people in South Africa walk around with a little band that says, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's a good question. What would Jesus do in our churches in Africa if you heard the version of the gospel that we're teaching so in effectively? There's a scripture that deals with this. He began to drive out and he overturned the tables. Thank you. <laughs>